Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Time to get the show on the road, as they say. It is the Indian Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. So great to be with you each and every week. It's hard to believe as we click into 2024 soon enough, in a couple weeks, we are celebrating what will be our, I think, 24th year uh, next year of Indian Outdoors. And it's not a day goes by that hasn't been one of the joys to be here on Indiana Outdoors. So we're going to continue to have some fun. We're going to keep making great radio and bring you Indiana Outdoors along with our sponsors who bring this show to you like Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. Sign up to be that organ and tissue donor when you buy your hunting and fishing license and help save up to seven lives. It is uh, a certain time of the year where everybody seems a little busy. So we're going to just take a little little pause here and just kind of have some fun uh, chit chat. And I always like it when I can get Dan Bortner, who is the director of our Department of Natural Resources, on the phone with me. And he's going to be here in just a few minutes and hopefully give us an extended conversation. Kind of looking back at 2023, lots and lots of things I want to talk about. Knowing him, he'll bring them up anyway, always prepared. But we had some pretty devastating lows like at McCormick's Creek, for example, that tornado that absolutely devastated that campground and requires the campground to be completely rebuilt. Uh, when that first happened and we talked about it, there were people down there like property managers who were intimate with that property said the destruction was so bad they got disoriented with all of the debris as to where they were. So we've had some lows, but we've also had some really impressive highs. And I'm sure we're going to talk about a new inn, <clears throat> excuse me, a new inn being developed up at Potato Creek. And we are developing trails all over the place. It's truly going to be an interesting conversation. It's never too late to talk a little fishing. Some uh, trout were stocked recently, and I will have the opportunity to visit with uh, Matt Horsley, who is a district fisheries biologist. And I think it's fascinating how these fish are raised in Indiana. And I believe this might be the first time that brown trout were actually 100% produced here and put into our streams kind of from A to Z. So we're going to have an great conversation on a lot of different subjects. And it's the Indiana outdoor show that, uh, you know, that I've been wanting to do. I wanted Dan on the phone. So guess what? He's going to be here. He's on hold. I'm being told, shut up and give him time. So it is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I'm your host, Brian Pointer, back right after this. 
It is the merriest of seasons. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. And so great to be with you. I, your host, Brian Pointer. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. You should know that by now. What a selfless thing to do when you buy your hunting and fishing license. Go ahead and sign up to be an organ and tissue donor and help save up to eight lives. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, anytime I have the opportunity to visit with the director of our Department of Natural Resources, Dan Bortner, it's my thrill and privilege and thought we'd have, Dan, an opportunity at this time just to kind of have a little reflection on 23 and maybe kind of looking forward to 24 and first and foremost happiest of holidays and merry christmas how you doing i am well my friend and merry christmas to you and yours well it is great to have you be a part of indiana outdoors and i know i've said this to you when we've had conversations in person and otherwise but a sincere and heartfelt thanks for the access that indiana outdoors has throughout the year not only to all of the biologists and all the other resources within uh, the department of natural resources it makes indiana outdoors so much better and so thrilled every time i can have a guest with me because we have some of the most talented people, I would think, in the country working in various ways, shapes, and forms throughout all of the various departments. And something that I know you take great pride in as the director. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and it is indeed our pleasure, Brian, to, to be able to talk to, to your public uh, about what we do. You know, the, uh, the Department of Natural Resources is a very, very large organization. And, and let's face it, most folks, uh, you know, the, the, the angling and the hunting and the parks and those very visible front-facing things that we do, you know, that's two divisions out of 21 in this wonderful department. And you give us the opportunity to, to tell the public what we do you know, in front of the camera and behind the camera. And as you said, you know, the the folks who do this for a living, and we're truly blessed to do what we do. But you talk about the most dedicated people in, in, in government. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a labor of love. And uh, we love to be able to, to tell folks what it is that we do. Well, I love to tell people what you do, too. And I consistently, routinely regularly learn uh, on Indiana Outdoors, even though we've been doing this almost 25 years, there's not a show that goes by that I don't learn something at the hands of these great people. And here we are now at the end of 23. Um, We've had an insane dynamic in our country, in our world, in our outdoor lives and in everybody's lives since 2020. And I'm just kind of curious. Everybody fled outdoors to our state parks, had managed entry at some of them during the peak of COVID because, you know, there were so many people that wanted to get out there. But I think very smartly, the Department of Natural Resources at that time stayed open for business in a modified way. What's that been like getting kind of back to normal? Well, it, it has uh, it has been wonderful. And, you know, Brian, you and I talked uh, during that time. I was uh, still the director of the Indiana State Parks Division, but was also serving at that time as the president of the uh, National Association of State Park Directors. So we were coordinating efforts across the country trying to determine, you know, what different facilities and what different uh, administrations were doing. And I've systemically watched all the park systems around us close up due to COVID. And, you know, me, I mean, I'm I'm a businessman who happens to to work in government uh, and I measure everything. And we knew that the the greatest opportunity that we had and the greatest uh, recreational pursuits that our customers and guests liked was was hiking. 
And I had told the governor, I said, sir, you know, we can we can eliminate human contact because of this COVID issue and still keep the parks open. And and that's what we did. We closed our offices. We closed anything that was was uh, uh, something where we would have to have contact between our employees and the public. And we remained open. And we've always known that that the trick to getting people to love what we do is to get them outside for the first time. And we were the only game in town, frankly, when it came to, to opportunity to get out of the house. And so we watched our visitation in parks alone go from 16 million visitors a year to where we're up to about 19 million a year. And it's not unique to Indiana from a standpoint of folks getting outside and enjoying their natural resources. It's been a resurgence all across the country. Uh, every place there's green space, people have rediscovered the opportunity to get outside. And we are so thankful for that. You know, If we can get people to fall in love with what we do, then that makes life a lot easier on everybody. They enjoy it. They they get out and, and participate and, and, and frankly, take uh, a, a better interest in the natural world around them here in the Hoosier land. Dan Bortner is our guest. He is the director of our Indiana Department of Natural Resources. Several things we want to kind of hover over for a second. You talk about the the front-facing, the forward-facing things that people see, but there are 21 different divisions, very distinct divisions in the Department of Natural Resources. I've said this for years. There's not one person... I think, in Indiana that isn't affected in some way, shape, or form by the work of the Department of Natural Resources. Yes, there's obvious things like fishing and hunting and parks, as you mentioned, but boy, oh boy, there are so many diverse things that go on on a day-to-day basis that you at the helm are trying to lead. What are some of the things that people don't really understand that the Department of Natural Resources does day in and day out that they may not see or read about? Certainly. You know, the, uh, the the big things, so let's just take one of the divisions, entomology, for instance. You know, when people think about, you know, the, the folks who work in the bug world, if you will, in the state of Indiana, if we get uh, a species like spotted lanternfly, which is an issue we have going on right now in northern Indiana, when those species show up in Indiana and don't belong here, they can affect the, the world around us. Uh, that particular species likes to eat grapes, which is harmful, obviously, if you're in the vineyard business. Uh, we've had all kinds of issues with, with kudzu and various other you know, muscles, just things that don't belong in the state of Indiana. Our Division of Entomology handles that. When you think about historic preservation, uh, you think about cemetery maintenance and things like that. So there's just a lot of things that we get involved in that, that folks just don't realize. When we talk about, uh, you know, there again, the forward-facing part, uh, people see, see parks. Uh, you know, there are four different landhorn divisions, but to the general public, if there's a black sign with the yellow letters, they see it as a park. Well, you have parks, fish and wildlife, forestry, nature preserves. All four are land-holding uh, divisions, but each one has a different mission. So, you know, uh, we, we drill down to try to do the best that we can uh, to try to protect and preserve the natural and cultural resources of the state, and that's how we do it. Well, you also talked about you're a business person that happens to work in government. You measure everything, and I had the privilege of working and knowing with you for most of those 24 years here on Indiana Outdoors <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. So you're constantly re-engineering, you're constantly challenging your people, you've made changes that people probably wouldn't see to make government in the Department of Natural Resources more user-friendly, more opportunities, and creativity, and funding is always a key challenge. And I know you found ways to, with the participation of the governor, certainly kudos to him for so many things, but I know that's a stress and a pressure, but I don't think that's going away, is it? 
No, no, it's certainly not. But you know, that's uh, that's that's good. That that keeps us on our toes. I mean, you look at some of the things that we have gone forward with under under this governor's leadership and guidance uh, and the things that he has invested in uh, for the benefit of Hoosiers and those who visit us. You know, we are in October, we broke ground for a new lodge at Potato Creek State Park. And Brian, that is, you know, that's going to be a wonderful project up there. Uh, it's just south of, of the University of Notre Dame. So it provides additional year round overnight stays and things. But the state of Indiana hasn't built a lodge since 1939 uh, down at Spring Mill. So going back in to that end of the business. You know, we didn't have a, a lodge in the northwest quadrant of the state since they tore the one down up at Indiana Dunes back in the late 60s. And so having that opportunity again for folks to have additional overnight stays in the wintertime is going to be outstanding. You know, so just there again, looking at uh, business opportunities that give folks the opportunity to get outside and enjoy what's their birthright. Well, let's stay on inns just for a second because sure. in addition to that new inn, and I, I, I don't want to minimize what you said there has not been a new lodge built in indiana since 1939 and the ones that have been around and provide so many opportunities for people have been in need of some repair so big decisions were made this year on some of the key places uh, for some non-sexy upgrades yeah, you know, then uh, we talked about the, the last time the state built a lodge was 1939. Well, that was at Spring Mill State Park. And the inn, the lodge at Spring Mill, has been closed since November of 22, going through a complete refurbishment down there because it's closing in on 90 years old. And, you know, when, when these things were built by the Civilian Conservation Corps, it was a different time. You know, Spring Mill Lodge, the newest one, uh, when it was built, there were no bathrooms in the guest rooms. The bathrooms were at the end of the hall. So through the years, as you've tried to accommodate the changes and things that, that guests and ex- want to experience, you know, we that, that lodge, when it was built, has these beautiful beams that were all covered up with drop ceilings so that you could put in plumbing and additional electrical and things like that, you know, Wi-Fi and things that weren't necessary at the time. And what we're going in now and doing is is being able to to clean all that stuff up and bring that lodge back to what it looked like when it opened in 1939. I love it. Dan Borton, our guest, the director of the Division of Fish and Wildlife, you built such equity and respect for uh, peers when you were ahead of the Division of Parks in particular, and you rose to the leadership of the National Association of State Parks. But I know you talk to your colleagues and peers in your role today. What are some of the things that you guys have in common that you talk about challenges perhaps you know the the main thing is this trying to make sure that we are relevant to the next generation of, of outdoors enthusiasts you know the the demographics of the united states is changing and right here in Hoosierland it is as well and you've got to be able to to make sure that you're you know taking steps to accommodate those things you know one of the things that we've worked very hard on um, we have, have partnered with an organization uh, called Black Folks Camp Two to train our folks uh, on on inclusivity. You know, making sure that everybody feels like they are welcome at an Indiana State Park. And you know, the, I want to make sure folks understand that you know this this is not a racial thing one way or the other. What this is is everybody. It doesn't matter 
what your your age, race, sex, physical limitations are. These parks and these properties belong to you. And so we're going to be, we're the first state in the nation to publicly train our employees on how to handle this. So when folks, you know, come come out and visit us next year, they're going to see the what we call the unity blaze, uh, the campfire symbol that everybody's welcome at the campfire, you know, in Indiana. So, you know, just being able to be relevant and making sure that we're, we're ready to go for, for the next generation of users. I love it. And again, that's leadership at its pinnacle right there. One other thing that I know is very different and technology has changed. And I've been aware at a couple of places such as up at Indiana Dunes and back on Potato Creek that handicapped accessibility is now unprecedented with what's available and what you're doing. How have you improved in those areas? Well, the one thing that we've done is we've tried to make sure, I mean, uh, some of the changes that we've made uh, there, again, if you go to Spring Mill State Park, one of the iconic uh, visions there at, in, at that Spring Mill is Donaldson Cave, um, you know, one of the huge uh, karst features that we have on that property. But until recently, if you had mobility issues, you couldn't get there. But we now have a trail that leads to it, and then we have put in a ramp uh, to where you know, somebody who is, for instance, in a wheelchair can now actually get inside that cave for the very first time. We've gone in and we put in these mobility chairs for people to utilize on, on trails. They they have almost a tank tread type of thing. And we've partnered with a lot of organizations that are helping us to pay for those to where we're not doing it necessarily with tax dollars. The Ford Bronco Wild Fund, the Ford Motor Company, uh, they just bought one for Potato Creek up there. So, you know, being able to partner with other organizations to achieve what we need to achieve, uh, you know, as we say in the business, OPM, other people's money, use, you know, using those private sector uh, leaders and private sector businesses to help out with what we do here. So there again, it's just looking at it from a different perspective. What do we need to accomplish to make sure that we are relevant to everybody? I want to take as much time as you'll give me uh, because there's a few other things that I want to talk about. Can we sure. can we hold through a break here and uh, come back and have uh, a continued conversation? Because I know it's a thrill for me to have you on the phone. So can we stay and go through a break and then come back? Absolutely. I'll just get some more coffee. God love you. All right. Dan Bortner, director of the Indiana Department of Natural Resources, graciously giving us some more time. I am your host, Brian Pointer, and we are going to be back right after this. So great to be with you. Merry Christmas at this holiday time and happy holidays for everybody. Uh, it is the Indiana Outdoor Show and I am your host, Brian Pointer. We're brought to you by Indiana Donor Network, driven to save lives.org. Just go do it. How's that? Dan Bortner, the director of our Department of Natural Resources, is joining me in a gracious uh, way, giving us some more time here. We've talked a lot about funding and creative ways to do things but we also talked about the indiana dunes and these projects like building a, an inn of up at potato creek or taking this iconic landmark this historical landmark up at indiana dunes take enormous amounts of time and partnerships and creativity but there's been some real key things in parts of our state under 
your leadership that you've either been a part of as the state park director or as the director of the department. And you're leaving quite a legacy, and that has to make you proud, I'm sure. Well, you know, that the, the legacy stuff always takes care of itself. If you do what needs to be done, um, you know, the, the thing is that in our business, when we go in and, and do these changes, these adjustments, these are so long term. I mean, you look at the things just in the year 2023, what has been accomplished. You know, we we dedicated our 300th nature preserve for Hanover 2-4 Woods over in Jennings County. You know, since the 60s, when the Nature Preserve Act was, was brought into play, you know, that's 300 different locations around this state are permanently protected uh, from conservation standpoint. You know, this governor has has invested so heavily in, in some programs. I've got to mention Next Level Trails, $150 million. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm the host of this show, and I was going yeah. there next, okay? Yeah. Take it away. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you, sir. It just, you know, like I said, my head spins when I think of all the things that we've, we've worked on this year, this Next Level Trails program that we mentioned that the governor uh, has instituted. $150 million uh, through three rounds uh, we're getting ready to announce a fourth round on December the 20th for an additional $30 million. So you're going to have $180 million put into trails connecting communities, you know, getting getting schools and other places involved and being able to get outside and utilize these things. You know, we're very proud of the Monon South project that we're currently working on down south, you know, the 62 miles from New Albany to, to Mitchell. Uh, when that is complete, uh, that's going to be the longest contiguous trail in the state of Indiana. There's other programs, too. You look at, at Next Level Conservation Trust, $25 million put in. Uh, you know, the governor suggested, the legislature agreed that uh, we, need, we need to conserve more land in the state. So you know, $25 million was put on that. We've, we've closed on four of those properties. There are 12 more that are currently in the signatory process. Uh, you know, we're closing in, you know, and I've talked before at some of the NRC meetings and things, uh, the Million Tree Program that the governor instituted a few years ago. Um, we will, you know, we've got 972,000 plus trees in the ground in that program currently. The plan is to plant the millionth one uh, next year on Arbor Day. So we will meet that goal. You know, uh, there's there's also the challenges that, that we've faced, uh, you know, in, in March. Uh, we were hit with a devastating tornado in McCormick's Creek State park uh, that basically destroyed the entire campground and going in and making sure that uh, that we're doing the things that need to be done to get that thing back open to the public. Uh, and I want to make sure folks understand while we're mentioning McCormick's Creek that, yes, the campground is closed, but the park is open for business, as is the Canyon Inn. So you want to encourage folks to get out and, and enjoy that property like they always have in the past. But just so darn many things going on. And 2024 is going to be a busy year as well. What do you mean? You've done so much, you can just take the rest of the 24 off. No, no, we are uh, we are in the fourth term or fourth turn of this administration, and uh, we're not going to let up on the gas. There's, uh, you know, we want to get Spring Mill uh, in reopened next year. We'll get that millionth tree planted. Uh, you know, infrastructure updates going in across the system, and of course, in April, uh, we have a unique once in a lifetime opportunity with the solar eclipse. Let's stay. Uh, let's stay on this for a second. A big that, deal. That's not only going to be a big deal for people that are into that, but it's going to be a huge economic driver in Indiana alone. So the unique opportunities within the Department of Natural Resources to experience this eclipse, but it's it's a big deal. 
Oh, certainly is. You know, we talked to uh, we've we've been working on our plan for about two years, um, and you know, we've talked to the states who were in the path of totality last time, the Wyoming's and the Kentuckys and other places. And thank goodness we did because there's so much to work on there that you wouldn't expect. You know, it's it's not so much the event in and of itself, but it's getting people in and getting people out, and just this massive influx of people from around the country coming to Indiana to to experience this thing. And I think that the next time it's going to occur is like 2158 or something like that. So when we say it's a, a once in a lifetime opportunity, we're not kidding. It's once in our lifetime, put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe for some young folks out there, this next generation you talk about, but right. certainly uh, worthy. You talk about trails and trails are kind of sexy and fun, but man, they're expensive. And, yes, they are. You know, people don't realize the, the, the cost to develop a mile of a trail plus all the other access and easements and things that this governor has prioritized through this next trails but it's good for not only the citizens it's great for business it's good for communities and it's a connector it's a driver and it gets people moving around the state of indiana and this has been now through three governors dating back to mitch daniels where you know state parks an hour from everybody uh trail development communities um what what does it cost to build a mile of trail you know, it's uh, it's in that half a million dollars range. But to your point, you know, when you're when you're building a, a you know, a mile of highway, uh, generally the, the land has already been acquired of things. When you're starting, we talk about trails. A lot of this stuff has to start from scratch. So you have to acquire the land. You have to acquire easements. You have to do a lot of things with that. So, yes, it, it is very expensive. There's no question about that. But when you look at the way things have changed, you know, when when you and I started into the workforce, Brian, you'd, you'd go to work for a company and, and you, you worked where the job was. That's where you where you went to. That's where you located. Today's generation looks at it differently. They decide where they want to live and then they go about finding a job. And so these trails and the parks and the things that we talk about are all quality of life issues. And that's how you attract people to the Hoosier State. You know, you want to have a good business climate, but you also want to have a situation where you have great schools and great opportunities for recreation and cultural events and things like this. So it's it's all a part of the quality of life equation that we look at. Dan, it's always my thrill to be with you and best of luck uh, as we turn into 24. And I hope that we have more opportunities and I'm sure we're going to have opportunity to talk about continued successes and uh, the way you've handled all the adversity and challenges like you mentioned down at McCormick's Creek this year and your staff. It's been a rough one, but you've made some great progress. So I wish you and everybody at the Department of Natural Resources uh, the happiest of New Year's and we'll talk to you after the turn. How's that? And that is great, Brian. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Just then I want to remind people, you know, the holiday gift packs are on sale. Annual entrance prices are all on sale. All ready to get Look at you selling. So Look at you always Absolutely. selling something. I love Absolutely. It. You know, great stocking stuff. Merry Christmas to you and yours, my friend. Indeed. Dan Bortner, the director of Department of Natural Resources, one of our favorites, one of the best in the country. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I, your host, Brian Pointer. We're going to talk a little fishing. Yeah, it's not too late to talk about fishing right after this. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, 
Brian Pointer. Happiest of holiday seasons. Just remember the reason for the season. I know we get all hyped up this time of the year, but we got a couple more weeks here and we're going to push through and then we're going to spend the next two months after the first of the year forgetting to write 2024 on my checks. So that's what I always have to look forward to. Joining me on the phone, as mentioned at the top of the hour, is uh, Matt is a district fisheries biologist, Matt Horsley. And I was just on the phone with your boss, Dan Bortner, and gave us an extended conversation about all the great things that are happening and have happened in 23 and what to look forward to in 24, but never too late to talk fishing. And especially if you like to chase some trout and I know that you had some stockings recently, but I don't know that people really have the understanding of what all is entailed and what that means. So I thought we're going to turn to the experts just like you. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Brian. So what, this stocking program for anglers, we, I'm fascinated by how it's done. Why don't you kind of go as soup to nuts here uh, on these fish, they grow, we grow them here, some we get, then they go into the lakes and streams. How does this all work? Yeah, so, so this is, the brown trout program's a, a new program that we established in 2021. Um, it was something that the anglers have been wanting for a long time, especially the diehard trout anglers. Um, so we went ahead and found some fish um, for some brood stock, which were, were the adult fish that we use for for, for egg and milk uh, production. Um, and then we actually ha- do everything in-house now. So we spawn these fish, um, raise them up in our hatcheries, and then release them out into the streams and, and our lakes. Um, like I said, this is new. So this was actually the this stocking that took place this fall with the brown trout was actually the first uh, stocking that's ever been done um, since the late 80s um, with brown trout that were strictly uh, raised in our facilities. And, and it's been a, a very cool thing. Um, we're really looking forward to the future on this program. And I know the anglers have been really excited about it. Matt Horsley is a district fisheries biologist. We're talking about some stocking, and there's probably somebody right now listening going, wait a minute, we don't have trout in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you know, we do, have, we do have an inland program. It's not a huge program, but it's, uh, it, it is real popular among anglers um, around opening day of trout season on our streams in late April. Um, now that we've... Uh, started this brown trout program we're hoping to expand it to to more of a year-round type program um that put and take program with the rainbow trout that's usually only lasts a couple of months in most of our streams and lakes um now we're trying to expand that so that anglers have those additional opportunities not only just for those first couple months and or first couple weeks in april but also throughout the whole entire year so that's what we're really looking forward to, and hopefully anglers will be able to take advantage of that. So since I have you on the phone, I I know because I've talked to you and others throughout the year as a biologist, what do you do when you're not putting trout in streams as a biologist? Yeah, I mean, we do a lot of field work, a lot of field surveys during the spring and fall and summer. Um, a lot of it's a, a lot of it's uh, monitoring fish communities, population assessments. We're doing stocking evaluations. You know, it's our responsibility to take care of the fisheries in the state. And, and there's a lot of work that's involved in that, not only from the fish side of things, but from the habitat side of things too, as well. Um, a lot of that's done spring, summer, and fall. And, and this time of year, it's it's just 
uh, things slow down in the field and it's and it's time to look back at the data that we've collected and, and we can start analyzing that and looking at things to see how the fish populations are doing in the lakes that we surveyed and you know hopefully making some recommendations for some changes what are what what is the health of of our stocks our our, our what is the general health as a biologist, comparatively speaking, to our neighbors and other things? I know you try to measure and look at data, but what grade do you give our the status of our fishery? Uh, you know, for for <clears throat> we have we have some, uh, some really good fisheries in, in Indiana. Um, one of the things that I really like um, about Indiana is our our walleye program. Um, we, we stock a lot of our lakes, especially here in northern Indiana. <clears throat> Excuse me, in northern Indiana with uh, with advanced walleyes, and they have really good survival in our lakes, and they provided really great opportunities for anglers to go out and be able to catch them. Um, uh, other surrounding states, you don't see that. Uh, at least, uh, at least I haven't heard of really great fisheries in other states, but we've produced some really good fisheries um, when it comes to that. And, and and most of our stock species are species that don't reproduce on their own. Um, they need assistance from us to, to maintain a fishery and that's what we uh, focus on are those type of fisheries uh, warm water species like bass bluegill red ear uh, yellow perch they all seem to reproduce on their own so they really don't need much help from us i love it did you ever think that you would end up being a district fisheries biologist growing up as a little guy uh, you know it takes a lot of work um you know i really realized what i wanted to do um back when i was in middle school um and I focused focused on on my education, and then the work that I needed to get here. And it, it requires a lot of work, a lot of dedication, and, and it's been nothing but rewarding for me since I've started this job. Well, we've talked about some success, but what are some of the challenges as a district fisheries biologist? Are you looking ahead into twenty four? You know, there, there's always there's always uh, contentious issues that arise. You know, not everything's positive when it comes to fisheries management. And, and what? And That's a happy habitat. place. Come on. Uh, you know, and, and we try we try to to make sure that everything is is uh, is good for for our anglers. Um, but that that's one of the difficult things about this job is, is trying to make sure that everything's everything's up to par you know and we have to deal with those negative negative issues sometimes but we we do the best of what we got and what we can and and and, uh, I know you do such a great job at that. Matt, it's uh, wonderful to talk to you. I wish you the happiest of holiday seasons. Thanks for the update on the trout stockings, and we hope to turn into 24 and have some more conversations about good stuff and stay away from the bad. How's that? Yeah, sounds good, Brian. Nice to visit with you. It is the Indiana Outdoor Show. I am your host, Brian Pointer. Don't you think about going anywhere. We're going to be back right after this. Indiana Outdoor Show. I always learn something, which I tell you guys each and every week, but it's great to have Dan Bortner on the line with us uh, in a very generous way. We, we covered a lot of turf. I don't think people realize the thousands of people that are in our Department of Natural Resources. You already heard him say 21 different divisions, and there's probably not a Hoosier that isn't affected in some way by our Department of Natural Resources. And by all accounts, 
such great leadership at the top and our, our the the front facing as he said things like state parks and properties never looked better hunting and fishing opportunities always great so I am thrilled with uh, the opportunity and the great report. And we're going to have some landmarks in 2024. Uh, more trails being built. $180 million, I think he said, invested uh, over the last couple of years in developing these trails. And 300 nature preserves. Uh, I am honored to serve as chairman of the Natural Resources Commission. And at each one of our commission meetings... Nature preserves are usually on the agenda. That doesn't happen in every state. So with purpose, putting dedicated nature preserves around the state is a huge priority. It sounds like it will continue to be, but we hit a milestone at 300 and uh, so many other things. The the new inn at Potato Creek, uh, it's going to be probably 25 before that's open. As a Notre Dame guy, fan, I'm looking forward to spending some time up there. Hopefully... Uh, celebrating an Irish win and then what a great thing go back to a brand new state-of-the-art modern lodge it's hard to believe the last lodge was built in 1939 which was Spring Mill uh, which was closed in 22 as you heard him say that's going to open in 24 back up bigger better better than ever so uh, and we can't leave our fishing buddies out either i think the stocking program that we have in the state of indiana is pretty spectacular and i've seen some of the things and how they do this in the field and then take them to our fish hatcheries and then put them in so hoosier anglers can get out and chase around all different kinds of species in this case trout it is always great to visit with our biologists when i can get them on the phone so a lot of folks still out hunting hopefully you are too put some meat in the freezer remember our folks at hoosiers feeding the hungry always remember to turn in a poacher 1-800-TIP-I-D-N-R you know it keep it folks we'll see you next week we're going to be almost at 24 but we still got shows left to do talk to you soon 